0: Welcome to Between the Bylines, a weekly podcast from the Boston University News Service where we unpack must-read stories from the past week through the lens of student journalism.
1: Hear how the story was made from the writers and editors who made it. Hi,
0: it's February 7th, 2019. I'm Sophie Will and I'm the Managing Editor.
1: And I'm Abigail Freeman, and I'm the assistant managing editor. And we are excited to welcome our sports editor today to discuss Sunday. It was a big day for Boston and the Patriots. Um, Welcome to the show, Ricky.
2: Hey, guys, thank you for having me.
1: Um, So we wanted to ask you about what it was like covering the Super Bowl live. Um, I know that it was your first time covering a big sports game live. And just tell us, what was your game plan for the day?
2: Yeah, so I had an. live tweeted since April of last year. So going into this, I was kind of nervous, but basically we developed a spreadsheet of popular sports bars in Boston and watch parties that were taking place that night um, that we could go to and live tweet from. Um, So multiple writers and editors contributed to the spreadsheet and we basically stationed ourselves at different spots throughout Boston. Um, We tweeted what we found interesting, um, like big moments during the game, um, fan reactions, things along those lines. But um, yeah, definitely came together. Um, we started at Kaskin Flagon, or I started at Kaskin Flagon um, with, a, with our photo editor. Um, other writers and contributors were positioned at watch parties, sports bars, and then we finally ended our coverage at the Boston Common.
1: So Caskin Flagin's a pretty iconic sports bar in the Fenway area. What was the energy like in there? And was it hard to cover? It was great, I mean,
2: um, before we got there, we actually got there at 5.30. Um, the game started at 6.30, but once we got there, it was already packed. Um, so it was initially hard getting in uh, to Caskin and Flagon, but once we got in, um, there were so many people, um, friend groups, families, uh, just celebrating, um, great energy. Um, everywhere you turn, there was a fan. Um, so there was a lot for us to get from Caskin and Flagon. Uh, the owners were happy that we were there covering live. And we started off there and we made our way to some other uh, sports bars in Fenway. But cask and flagging was definitely a good starting point. I mean, pretty basically everywhere we went in Fenway, there were crowds of fans waiting in line to get into the sports bars. Um, so, yeah.
0: What kind of content did you get from the bars? Did you get anything good or funny or?
2: Um, We mainly got some good reactions at the bars. Uh, I mean, we weren't entirely dealing with sober fans, so some of the content that we got was quite interesting. Um, People were were really eager to advertise their passion for the Patriots. Um, You know, where they were from, why they were there, what they thought about the games, what the game, what they thought about Los Angeles. Um, So I'd say, I think the fan reactions were what was most interesting.
1: And were there any Rams fans inside?
2: Not at Cask and Flagon. Okay. Um, The final bar we went to before we left to cover at the Boston Common was Beantown Pub, and we ran into a couple Rams fans there. Um, In fact, one Rams fan we interviewed said that the only reason he wore a Rams jersey was because he wanted to be different. Not because he necessarily liked the Rams, but because he wanted to be different. So I'll give him that.
0: So that seems interesting. But one thing that I know was not very interesting was the game itself. It was pretty boring. Uh, but afterwards, I heard things got pretty rowdy. Tell us about that.
2: Yeah, so um, we we were at Beantown Pub when the game ended. And fortunately, Beantown Pub is right near the common. So we left Beantown Pub, got our gear out, got our DS- DSLRs out. Um, Made our way over. And as we were walking there, like you would think there'd be so many like fans running through the streets screaming, climbing up walls and poles. But it wasn't like, it wasn't that way at all. Um, And actually, the closer we got to the common, to the gazebo in the middle of the common, the louder the cheers and screams got. Um, And fans were coming from every angle of the park, from every street. Um, People started to climb up poles and try to break (laughs) down trees uh but the usual when we the win. usual the yeah. usual um but it was there were definitely some great moments um we got a lot of good pictures video um fans singing and cheering and uh yeah it was a great moment
0: that's awesome i know when i covered the red sox last fall um there were people screaming and shouting and climbing up trees but i heard that there were a couple of arrests at this uh, what is it? Party riot Ew. after, and yep. there was even a Rams fan that was trying to break up a tree. Is what yeah, I heard. Yeah, in
2: fact, he got he got arrested uh, after they finally got him down from the tree. That same fan, he was arrested. Yikes! Um, so
1: I hope he was a true fan and not just trying to be different. Like
2: I hope <laughs> the he person wasn't trying he to be to different. Into
1: earlier, right? <laughs> um. So from the game to the parade. Um, what were the differences in how you approached coverage? And did you run into anything that you didn't expect on parade day?
2: Yeah, so we had to coordinate and figure out which points along the route that we would position ourselves at. Um, we had a lot of photographers um, and contributors stationed on Tremont, Boston City Hall. Um, but and, and in the same vein, I mean, we got there early. The parade started at 11 a.m., A lot of us got there before 10 a.m. and we still had a hard time navigating throughout the city Mm -hmm. due to the large crowds um, and the lack of space. Uh, And in in addition, uh, many of the streets were closed off so it was hard to kind of make your way around from one point to another. Um, But the biggest challenge I recall um, is the the lack of cell phone signal. Oh my goodness, Um, yeah. That was the hardest part. Because, I mean, if you're trying to send out live coverage and you want to send out a tweet, but you don't have cell phone signal, you kind of just have to take the video or take the picture, save it, and then tweet it at a later time. So it kind of defeats the purpose of live coverage.
0: Yeah, and that's really hard because you're not getting the in the moment listeners and people that are watching your Twitter feed. And I know I was at city hall and I was in the press box and even still I was standing next to a guy from NBC and he said, you know, I gave up trying to get cell service about 20 minutes ago, you know, just take your photos and then upload them later. Um, Which is really hard to get the the likes and the retweets that you need during that time. But I don't know, it kind of made me live more in the moment and focus more on my photography and my reporting than, having to tweet all the time.
1: And I I think it just goes to show that we should always have a plan B and not um, be so thrown off by circumstances that don't go our way as journalists. Um, And even with all that being said, you all still got great photos. Um, Our photos were featured in WCVB, so congrats on that. And um, how did it feel to be picked up by other news outlets? And
2: there were a couple others, right? Yeah, so there was NBC um wcvb storyful so it felt great to see our coverage you know be included in other outlets um coverage um especially for me since i hadn't tweeted in a long time um i was glad we could all pull our pull our live reporting together and you know see the final product um following both the super bowl and the parade
1: yeah i think it definitely means we were doing something right that day so um yeah, what did you both learn while you were live covering everything? Because for the parade, I actually had I had work, but I was sitting at my laptop with internet connection while you guys did not have it. Um, so what did you both learn on parade day and just from this experience in general?
2: Kind of, I mean, just be ready for the unexpected. Um, I, I literally didn't go into the parade thinking that I'd lose my service. Um, But fortunately, I had a notepad in my book bag, and uh, I had a pin. Um, So even if you can't send out tweets or videos because you don't have coverage, if you want to interview people and take a picture, you can still take a picture, write their names down, write down their information. Um, You can timestamp videos, um, whatever you need to do, but always be prepared for the unexpected. Um, I'm glad, you know, in, in many ways, I'm glad we lost Signal. I mean, it was a good way for us to prepare for the unknown, prepare for the unexpected, and also be in the moment, as Sophie mentioned earlier.
1: Yeah, even in this digital age, we can still use a pen. So that's a good, <laughs> a a good point to take away from this.
0: Yeah, and I mean, I definitely, I think I learned two main things. Number one, on Sunday, um, <laughs> during the, the actual Super Bowl, I went to a party in Dover, Massachusetts, which is about a half hour away. Purposely, so I could stop working, because I'm a workaholic. Um, but we ended up leaving early because the game was boring. Sorry, Pats fans. And um, we were in. I was in a car, getting to Boylston Street where the cops had cut off the roads, and it was really great because there were people running in the road and then there was the Prudential Center with the Go Pats on it. And so I took my phone and I leaned out of the window and I got this great video that has been viewed something like 80,000 times and it went <laughs> viral for me. Right? It got <laughs> like 30 awesome. retweets and like 300 likes or something like that. Um, but it was just awesome. So I think you know, always being ready to report is really great. And, and even though I was trying to take a day off, just that I, you know, learned that having those instincts and knowing what is good and newsworthy to put out um, is really important. And then for parade day, um, I saw that there was a press box, but I didn't know we were supposed to RSVP. And so I had my press pass and I just went up to them and I was like, can I get in this press box? I'm like, yeah, sure. They were really nice. And I got to stand next to the guy from NBC and I got some really great shots that, you know, went on WCVB, um, went on our site. I've been seeing them around a lot. So, you know, always being polite and looking for opportunities where that little badge can take you. Where can your press pass take you?
2: And I think another thing I learned from... um, not only the parade, but also the Super Bowl, is to, I mean, not get so caught up in your reporter reporter role that you forget to be a human. (laughs) Um, Because, I mean, if you're walking around, I mean, you're tweeting out your live coverage, and if you're so caught up in this position that you forget to just, I don't know, have a conversation, um, people see through that. Um, So, I think I found a lot of success in interviews um, Tuesday for the parade. When I kind of like just let my hair down and talk to people as people and not as mm-hmm. a reporter um, And then once I had established that uh, that contact in a friendly way in a casual way, it was e- it was easier for me to ask you know can I interview you mm-hmm. uh, or ask you a few questions.
1: Yeah, I think that's an interesting point because at the end of the day, like how you're going to connect with other subjects and get material that is really engaging is by being yourself and having um, candid, open conversations. So I definitely think that that's a good takeaway. Yeah, I agree. Well, it's been an interesting week, a very busy
0: one. So Ricky, how has being sports editor this week taken a toll on you, if any?
2: (laughs) I I definitely haven't gotten as much sleep as I would have wanted to. (laughs) Um, In fact, my eye twitched multiple times today. (laughs) Um, I wanted to stop it, but I couldn't. But (laughs) I was really thankful for this week, um, you know, for Sunday and Tuesday's coverage. um, I felt like I learned a lot from it and was able to grow with the people around me. so it's definitely been a good week so far. I appreciated the work, um, and I'm looking forward to the rest.
0: Yeah, absolutely, you guys did a really, really good job. You and Mariana, who did our social media, and our advisor, MJ, who stepped in, and Abby, who stepped in on our social media. Mm-hmm. We really had a really solid team working on this coverage. I'm really proud of all that we did. So. Anyways, that's all we have for this week. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you want to know more about BU News Service, visit us at our website, bunewservice.com, or send us an email at bunewservice at gmail.com. Our pitch meetings are Thursday today at 6.30 p.m. in Com 321. And until next week, this has been Between the Bylines.